Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicalist. The show, this one that you are listening to, is a journey into my mind, such as it is. Uh, why would you want to experience such a thing? I don't know to be perfectly, perfectly honest with you. I will say, however, that... Uh, I have to do this. <laughs> you don't have to be here if you don't want to. I'm not forcing you. However, I do have to be here because I feel, and I, I think I've proven this true after 540 plus experiments, that it helps me to spew forth all the media I have consumed into the internet to talk about it uh, on a podcast, if you will, and I hope you will, and we are. Uh, so, you know, that's why I do it. If you listen to it, that's just a delicious maraschino cherry on top. Do you like a maraschino cherry? Uh, the missus, for some reason, has a very strong aversion to them, which I don't really get. It's just, like, kind of a cherry, but, like, super sweet. Uh, one time I made a cake, and I, I, and I put a bunch on top, and it looked pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. But we're not here to talk about a cake that I made. Uh, we're here to talk about movies, television, games, internets. Looks like I don't have a book this week. Yeah. Uh, maybe next week I will. I think what I'll do, rather than ramble further, uh, is push a button that will get us started like this. Monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Table Football, aka Chits, Foosball, Mexican Pool, Fooser, Fooslube, Foosbow, Dumbleweed, Silky, Foosman, Jeffing, Babyfoot, Fratlete, Cheesy, Talky, Foosit, Foosus, Tanball, The Cannon, Beerfoos, Back Cheek Sneak, Salmon Masood, Schlumer, Moneyball, Minute Bowl. <laughs> uh, uh, Christmas Free. Pepper Dog. Top Class. Strawing. Filthy Ricardo. Oh, that one doesn't sound very good. <clears throat> and Gaziza. Mantown. And Disco Raj. Oh, boy. Okay, so I uh, have a nice chunk of movies. Did a bit of a, a marathon, which I'm probably going to do another one today, to be honest with you. So I might uh, have a nice chunk next week as well. Or not next week, which I should mention, uh, which I don't often mention. Normally, I usually just put it in the notes that uh, every time an episode ends in a zero, a.k.a. every 10 episodes, uh, I take two weeks off of posting episodes. Just uh, uh, the reason I say I do it is for uh, the listener. 
I did not pluralize that, uh, can get caught up uh, <clears throat> on episodes. But uh, the real reason I do it is because if I don't want to record one week or don't really have anything to talk about, uh, you know, I'll just take a week off. And it gives me a bit of a, how you say, breathing room is what it does. Uh, and, and I've done that since the beginning, basically. So there you go go uh movie the first first cow oh the first movie has the word first in it it's like i planned that although to be honest i did not a skilled cook has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in oregon hmm. like the oregon trail though he only finds true connection with a chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune soon the two collaborate on a successful business um, yeah, I, I think this was a, falls under the category, and this is not unusual, uh, category being, uh, movies I heard people talking about on a podcast that sounded interesting. Um, yeah, and I can verify, after watching, it was interesting. Uh, I, I, I kind of didn't know what to expect going into this, and basically these two uh, these two dudes sort of uh, living in the wild wild west well not quite the wild west like it's more pilgrimy than cowboy e if that makes sense which i think it actually does um uh, and they sort of uh, a a cow ends up in the settlement and uh, it belongs to you know the richest person in the settlement richest most powerful person <clears throat> excuse me um, but, uh, they, uh, sort of sneak into its pasture and, uh, repeatedly steal its milk so, uh, they can make it baked goods and then sell the baked goods, which, uh, apparently, uh, hard to find in this, uh, area, which makes sense because, uh, without milk, uh, you can make baked things, but a lot easier with milk, a lot more delicious and people goddamn love them. Um, so that sort of falls apart and, uh, you know, drama ensues. Uh, rating-wise, jeez, uh, this is a tough one. Like, it was good, but, well, well, let me just say right off the bat, uh, a three on my scale is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. And I can't really think of a situation where I would want to rewatch First Cow, to be honest with you. The title I do like, it's, 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 it is actually apt, and, uh, you kind of hear it, and you're like, what the hell does that mean? Um... So I, I think I'm just going to go with three. Yeah. Sorry, first cow. I, I know the critics, the actual critics, the professional critics of movies, uh, apparently liked it a lot more than I did. So, you know, that's why I am not a professional. Moving on to Shell Grave from 1994. This falls under the category of movies that uh, I get three quarters of the way through give or take uh and then realize uh, i think i've seen this before <laughs> uh three friends discover their new flatmate dead but loaded with cash yeah so there's is this a is this a trope it might be a trope yeah uh, uh suddenly introducing a, a vast quantity of wealth to a group who normally getting along who normally get along and then that uh, uh the the greed uh, the lust for her, for, for whatever, the lust for uh, uh, riches sort of uh, drives them apart and makes them crazy. That's that's a bit of a trope, right? And uh, that's what happens in this. 
uh, stars uh, 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 Christopher Eccleston, a.k.a. Doctor Who, or one of them anyways, uh, Oon McGregor, and Carrie Fox. Carrie Fox, I'm not sure, <laughs> excuse me, if I would know her from other stuff, but the other two, uh, obviously. Uh, Christopher Eccleston was my introduction to Doctor Who, actually. That's where I... Uh, uh, sort of hopped on board with him, like many others. That's that's not unusual. A lot of people uh, started with him. Uh, Shallow Grave, it is a good movie, and, and I do like it, and there's some craziness and, uh, and violence, and you could see uh, sort of capitalism and its uh, corruption at work. So I'd go... Well, seeing as I've apparently already seen it and didn't realize, I guess I can't really give it a 3. I'll go 3.1. Huh? Because I in inadvertently watched it twice uh, without meaning to. Uh, moving on to 2019, uh, we've got a, a film called Pig Hag. Jody, comma, a woman in her mid 30s, comma, struggles with the pressure to find a partner and have children. Yeah, that is tough stuff. Uh, when she uh, attends a Guns N' Roses concert, Guns and Roses concert. She thinks she may have met a potential suitor until he ghosts on her. This is I don't know if this is the most depressing movie I've ever seen, but I I think I could at least put it in the top ten. Uh, what this woman goes through is horrible, and you feel for her tremendously. So uh, I think the reason why uh, most of all is because everything that happens to her feels like things that could almost easily happen to a, a woman in real life and and that's sad and depressing and uh, sometimes uh, this world uh, this world <laughs> yeah uh so rating wise geez it, oh my god i see this is comedy drama that's what they've got it uh, there's not much funny in this movie to be honest with you but it, it will make you think it, uh, which is you know, that's a good thing for a movie to do to one, is to make them think about things. And this definitely does that. Rating-wise, jeez. Yeah, like, it's not enjoyable. <laughs> Put that on the cover. This is not an enjoyable movie. Um, despite that, I think I'm going to go a 4.24. Just because it's going to make you consider... Uh, things from another person's perspective and uh, hopefully make you treat people better after you see how poorly this woman's treated and then that makes you feel bad and then you go into the world not wanting anyone ever to be treated how this woman gets treated uh, mostly just because of how she looks uh, and then it's sort of a cycle with her as well where uh, her looks seemingly are why people are treating her not good uh, and, and then that has sort of developed a, a crust around her where she sort of uh, acts not very nice to others uh, in order to protect herself. And then people don't like that. And then it's sort of like a vicious cycle, it feels like. So it's uh, uh, not a, a pleasant to watch movie, but, uh, you know, not every movie has to be. What is a pleasant to watch movie? Uh, segue Foosballers from 2019 as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, through an ensemble cast, Foosballers not only uncovers a forgotten piece of sports history, it follows six of the best table soccer players in the world as they prepare for the Tornado World Championships. 
Uh, yeah, uh, have you ever played foosball? We used to call it uh, Jetoni or Jets uh, back when I was, you know, a, a regular bar goer. Or, you know, uh, the odd person would have one in their basement. Uh, I, I, I never really cared for it that much. Also, I wasn't good at it. Maybe that was why I didn't care for it that much. Uh, uh, this movie, really, really good. And uh, I, I think what I like about it the most is seemingly, somehow, some way, professional uh, 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 foosball players share a lot of similarities, just sort of personality-wise, with uh, people who own a lot of uh, tigers and lions. <laughs> like, uh, if you watch uh, the Tiger King, and then if you watch this and compare the people who own tigers to professional foosball players, it's sort of eerie, the sort of personality traits that you will see they share somehow, some way. Uh, just sort of bizarre, uh, uber-confidence. Uh, it's very interesting, very strange that somehow, some way, these things uh, have a connection in that way. Uh, Rating-wise, it's a documentary, if I didn't mention... Ah, jeez, uh, I go 4.7. Yeah, uh, not quite a 5, but uh, very, very good, interesting, entertaining, uh, a crazy cast of characters. Really uh, what you want in a doc documentary. It's got just about everything, I would say. Uh, moving on to... See, we got a lot of movies, I tell you. We're, we're, we're at a good pace here, though. Uh, moving on to, from 2002, Ghost Ship. Ship, not shit. Yeah, uh, somehow, some way, um, the missus had not seen this movie, uh, and when I found that out, I was shocked and you know what, appalled because uh, this movie is so far up her alley; it's just ridiculous. And uh, I can verify after uh, forcing her to watch it uh, that it was, and she did very much like it. Uh, this is sort of your classic. Uh, uh, you know, late 90s, early aughts, uh, dumb horror movie. <laughs> uh, a salvage crew discovers a long-lost 1962 passenger ship floating lifeless in a remote region of the Bering Sea and soon notices that its long-dead inhabitants may still be on board. Spoiler alert, they are. Uh, the title is Ghost Ship. Of course there's going to be ghosts. On a ship. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's dumb. Uh, it's not really scary. It's so bad. It's good. Definitely. I would say it falls into that category. And if you like movies of this nature, this is one of them. Uh, rating wise, uh, I, I, I've probably seen this like three times now. Uh, it, it's, there's something about this <laughs> and there's a twist in it that, uh, potentially you don't see coming. So that's kind of cool. They don't uh, telegraph the twist uh, very much at all, which uh, I, I appreciate. <clears throat> um, Rating-wise, I'm going to go solid 4.245. Yeah, I gave something else I've said 4.24. This is a little bit better. Moving on to... The Mist from 2007. Ah. A freak storm unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town where a small band of citizens hole up in a supermarket and fight for their lives. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's based on a Stephen King, uh, I do believe. 
uh, short story, probably a little, or is it, was it a full, I, I think that might actually be a full, uh, full book and not just a short story. Quite often Stephen King movies, here's, here's a little tidbit of knowledge for you. Quite often, uh, Stephen King movies are based on his short stories because for some reason, <clears throat> excuse me, he decided that uh, if someone comes to him and says, uh, oh, Mr. Mr. King, I'd like to make a movie out of your short story, uh, he only charges them a dollar. Um, so it's basically free reign on anyone who wants to do so. Whereas with a one of his actual novels, I guess he charges, I don't know, whatever uh, normal people charge for their books to be turned into movies. Uh, seemingly, probably, you have to assume, a, a nice chunk of change. Uh, anyways... Uh, I've seen this uh, a couple of times as well. Uh, the reason I watched this is because uh, uh, Doughboys, the podcast, which I'll, I'll probably bring that back next week if it happens, uh, are doing a month of, uh, instead of talking about chain restaurants on their podcast and reviewing those, which they normally do, uh, this month, from my perspective, uh, they're talking about supermarkets and like supermarket food and such so uh one of the things they're going to do i think for the final episode they said was to uh do that and then also talk about the movie the mist so uh i decided to watch it in preparation for that to happen um uh, so and plus it's just you know a, a fun uh a, a good weird movie that i like uh rating wise uh the mist Jeez, do I go a five? Like, I, I, I do. <laughs> I do, for some reason, really like it. Not least of which is the ending of this movie is one of the most fucked up... If you know the ending of The Mist, you know the ending of The Mist. And it's one of the most fucked up endings of a movie, just sort of, period, ever. Uh, all, all I will say is, it's not a happy ending. It's definitely not a happy ending. Uh, oh, you know what I remember of this as well? Um, and I think I read the book. Uh, if not, uh, you know what? Uh, one of the advantages, uh, as long as I read it, uh, 2007, hmm, as long as I read it between 2012 when I started the podcast and now, as long uh, I, I can always look back at episodes and just sort of type in The Mist and the podcast uh, name, and, and then if nothing pops up, uh, I'll know maybe I haven't read it yet. Anyways, um, one thing I know is that the book and the movie has different endings and Stephen King said of the ending of the movie that it was much better than the book, which uh, is sort of a, a cool little, not only tidbit, but the fact that he's sort of a confident enough to say something like that. Confident enough to say, you know what, you guys did a lot better than I did. <laughs> so uh, very, very uh, uh, cool of him, I think. Okay, uh, last but not least, or maybe least, because it's pretty bad, uh, 13 Ghost. Now, for some reason, and I didn't realize this until I uh, opened the IMDb, as I do for all the movies, uh, that they spelt it T-H-I-R-1-3-E-N, Ghosts. Uh, yeah, so that was the sign of the times of the year 2000. Uh, similar to Ghost Ship... This very much has that late 90s, early aughts uh, horror uh, movie feel. <laughs> I, uh, the, 
Oh my god, I'm just reading the the IMDA. When Cyrus Criticos, because that's a name, a very rich collector of unique things dies. Oh my god. Uh, I just want to luxuriate in this description again. Let's start. When Cyrus Criticos... Cyrus Criticos, comma, a very rich collector of unique things dies, comma, he leaves it all to his nephew and his family. All, all, all including his house, comma, his fortune, comma, and his malicious collection of ghosts, exclamation point. All including, yeah, whoever wrote that one, what drugs are you I was going to say smoking, shoving up your ass. What drugs have you shoved up your anal cavity in order to write that description, you lovely, lovely person? Um, this one was a straight request from the missus. I think the fact that, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, uh, the fact that I uh, made her watch Ghost Ship uh, and she liked it so much sort of reminded her of her love of this movie, which also has ghost in the title. <clears throat> uh, so she said, oh, can, can we watch it? Can we watch it? Can we watch it? Uh, and I hadn't seen it in a while, but uh, vaguely remembered. Uh, this is probably, again, uh, if I had to guess a third viewing or so, <laughs> we both sort of uh, said, or I, I said to her, almost assuming she would have the same answer of me. If you've seen this movie, what is, this is a question to you listening to this. If you've seen the movie 13 Ghosts, what is something, uh, a scene or just a little thing that you remember happening in this movie? And we both had the exact same answer of this one hour and 31 minutes uh, movie. Uh, it's where a man is sort of chopped in half uh, vertically, <laughs> vertically, no less. So that doesn't happen very often. Uh, and we both sort of, uh, I found that amusing. So I mention it. Uh, I find this... A movie amusing so i give it a four points two four five six you get some tony shalhoub you get some f murray abraham matthew lillard people raw digga did she ever go on to do other stuff she looked a little familiar <laughs> blade scary movie dr doolittle 2 okay uh, yeah, so that is, oh yeah, let's push another button. Do I have something for this button here pushing? No. Television talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is the Popeil Gabagool Maker. Set it and forget about it. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, talking uh, Gadget Man, uh, because recently, uh, was it the Gadget Man YouTube channel? Uh, or the th one YouTube channel? There's, there's a video one? No. Uh, I, I think there's a, uh, uh, like, like BBC One, BBC Two. There's a, there's a station over in the UK called something one. I forgot. Anyways, they've been posting full episodes of Gadget Man. Uh, and with that, you get a, a, a choice of hosts... 
because apparently they've had a, a couple. You've got uh, uh, Stephen Fry and Richard Iowade, uh, which is very, very cool because I am uh, slightly in love with both of them. Okay, very much in love with both of them. Two people who, you know, uh, you have that, 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 that sort of a, a, well, maybe not living or dead. You have that, uh, if you could have a dinner party, who could you? Who would you invite? Anyone living, living or dead? I think Stephen. Oh, okay. I, I think maybe I just answered my own question. Stephen Fry, I, I think, would be one of them, regardless. Richard Ayoade. He's definitely on the list. He's definitely on the. He probably wouldn't want to come, to be honest. <laughs> probably, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, both incredibly funny, insightful, uh, intelligent uh, uh, guys, men. And, uh, yeah, if you're unfamiliar with the show Gadget Man, as perhaps the name implies, um, they discuss and uh, show off and test uh, gadgets. Uh, usually there's a theme to each episode. So uh, I remember one with Richard is uh, getting ready for the day uh, and gadgets that can help you do that. Uh, one with Stephen Fry. Uh, uh, involved uh, preparing a, 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 actually it's kind of funny uh, preparing a meal for uh, a, a group of four for like a little dinner party uh, that one probably had my not probably definitely had my most famous ga or favorite gadget not only on the show but just a gadget ever if you could call it a gadget it was more a work of art it was this sort of uh, brass clockwork giant uh, it had to be like f six feet across must have weighed a, a goddamn ton like a literal ton it was huge just metal and moving bits and cranks and gears and pulleys it was just a beautiful work of art uh and all it did was after a much sort of spinning of a of a wheel would uh, decork a wine bottle and uh, pour it in a glass of wine and uh, just sort of an incredible sight to behold i made emily <laughs> oh i made the missus watch that part in particular just because it's it, like literally take your breath away beautiful what this thing does uh and, and you know what i recommend here's a recommendation you won't get on many podcasts turn this off because it's a piece of shit and, and, and go uh, type in uh, Stephen Fry, Gadget Man, uh, uh, Wine, and that'll probably bring it up. And, and watch that instead of this is my recommendation for you. Uh, okay, so uh, Stephen Fry, I, I think, is going to be my choice for dinner guest. Is that what we're doing? I can't remember. Let's just get out of here. Today's game, Gavin's sponsor, is Godly Vacuum, Inc. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I uh, got kind of a cool one uh, today. It's called From Dust, uh, and it was a game I had back on my, uh, I guess it was PlayStation, it wasn't 2, was it? No, I'm pretty, pretty sure it was 3. Yeah, uh, it's a game I had back for PlayStation 3 uh, that I really, really enjoyed. And I'm almost... 
not almost. I'm, I'm definitely seeing a trend lately of games from PlayStation 3 being made available for PC, and I've been uh, delighted by that fact. Uh, so far, I've picked up uh, off the top of my head uh, this from Dust, uh, Flower, and uh, Journey, uh, all games that I have very much enjoyed back in the day that I now have readily available on my uh, PC without having to... Uh, figure out where my PlayStation 3 is because I'm not quite sure where that is to be honest probably in the basement anyways uh, uh just sort of a cool idea that uh, this is happening and I very much enjoy it uh, the reason I like it on PC is because you know and the reason that I've probably do 99.9% of my gaming on PC with a few uh, exceptions is that thought of you know I, I buy it once and then you know, 10 years from now when I have a new PC, uh, I, I could just re-download that game. Uh, whereas with a console, uh, not being backwards, backwards compatible, that is rarely, if ever the case. So, uh, it, it feels good. It feels real good. Uh, just like this game does. Uh, so what you do in it, uh, you are a God basically. Um, and there's a group of sort of uh, uh, tribal peoples uh, uh, traveling a globe, and you're helping them sort of set up their uh, uh, their little fortifications and and their little villages, uh, and you're doing so uh, in, in a manner of ways. Uh, mostly, it involves around making uh, areas where they want to build these sites safe. So uh, you're you're basically only moving your uh, well, now it's a mouse. You're moving your mouse around the screen and pushing a button to, say, suck up some sand. Uh, and then you're pushing another button to deposit that sand. You're, you're pushing a button to suck up some lava. And then you're uh, pushing a button to uh, deposit that lava. So it, it's most, mostly just left and right mouse that you're using as you move it around. And you're sort of uh, building... Uh, building walls or, or, or moving water, uh, moving things about uh, in order to make it safe for them or to get from sort of point A to point B or to uh, block water from uh, incoming uh, or to block lava from, you know, f flowing through their village. Um, and then sort of things will happen along the way to make it uh, uh, more and more difficult, like uh, maybe a volcanic eruption. Or, or, or maybe uh, trees that just release fire. Yeah, fire trees, those are a pain in the ass. Uh, and then uh, eventually you have control of uh, the plant life. So there's fire trees, there's water trees, uh, there's explosive trees. Uh, it, it, it's basically um, you are God and you're sort of literally molding the earth around uh, in order to try to help these people progress. Uh, and, and there's, uh, you know, a, a dozen or so different scenarios and there's a bunch of challenge modes, uh, which, uh, let me give my, my, my only real knock against this. Well, there's two, uh, one is, uh, it's a pain in the ass to try to get into this game to play because it uses something called Uplay, which is a, a, a system where you have to log into a secondary, <coughs> log into a secondary account and uh, jump through a, a crap ton of whole, uh, uh, hoops in order to even play the game. Like, it, it, it legitimately took me...
probably almost a half an hour. Uh, and, and I'm including download time, but this is not a large game. It's for PlayStation 3 after all. Um, to f- From getting the game to playing the game, which is not something that should happen. Uh, and then once in the game, my only other knock is the controls. Uh, it's sort of interesting. This is the type of game that uh, could have very much easily benefited from a mouse and keyboard versus um, using a controller like it had to do back in the day, which is interesting because somehow, some way, it was worse. <laughs> uh, it mostly has to do with the fact that uh, in order to move the camera, you would move the mouse to the edge of the screen and that would move the camera, which, you know, sort of works. Uh, however, the, the sensitivity, which maybe if you could have adjusted that, um, would have helped meant that uh, you, you'd get, you know, not even close at all to the edge of the screen and it would start moving. And, uh, I made it through the main campaign uh, with those controls, but when I tried to go in and do like the challenges, uh, they, they have a series of uh, shorter challenge mode uh, sort of islands and such that you can do. There was just no way with these shitty controls that you would be able to do the the challenge mode. Uh, it, it, the controls made it impossible. So take a mark off from that. Still, even with that, those two little knocks, I would say that. Uh, uh, for some reason, there's something about this that's just relaxing. Um, like, I would spend... I, I got 100% on each of the levels because I would just spend time in there, moving stuff around, making it look cool, uh, protecting the villagers, maybe making a, a cool wall or a cool feature or, you know, diverting a waterfall. or It's just sort of relaxing, and uh, I very much recommend it on that front, if anything. From Dust... Okay, what are we pushing now? This one. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. Is this real life? Internet intercourse. I like turtles. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is the bunker. Uh, okay, I have a, a few things today. Uh, first, we've got uh, Pep Talks with Eddie Pepitone, which is a podcast. Uh, he does it in a sort of interesting way where he uh, does it on Instagram uh, and, and does like a, a live show on Instagram. And then uh, his guests will join through that platform. Sort of a, a cool uh, idea. I've never heard anyone do that. It's not without its technical issues, it seems, though. It's probably easy to do in terms of, uh, uh, you know, getting the recording and such, but uh, quite often seems to be a little uh, dicey in terms of uh, tech. Uh, he had on guest uh, J. Elvis Weinstein, which is why I wanted to uh, excuse me, bring it back to talk about it in particular because uh, he's a very cool dude. Eddie Pepitone, a very cool dude. And to hear these two uh, 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 guys that I'm uh, fans of sit down and talk is fun and I like it. And that is what happens in the goddamn internet intercourse segment. I find things on the internet that I like and I bring them back and tell you about them so you can go experience them for yourself. And I hope you goddamn well do. Uh, it was a good dynamic, too, because uh, Eddie Pepitone um, shares some similarities uh, with uh, Andy Kindler. Uh, and uh, J. Elvis Weinstein is, uh, has a podcast with Andy Kindler. 
So you could see some similarities uh, there in the sort of dynamic, not least of which is uh, Jay Elvis uh, trying to get Eddie back on track a little bit uh, as he meanders. But, you know, some of these great comedic minds, they're, they're going to meander. They're going to forget what they were talking about three or four times. <laughs> uh, it was a fun and funny episode, and I recommend it. Uh, moving on to XP to level 3, which I've uh, spoken of a couple of times on this podcast. It's a uh, D&D related YouTube channel from a young man named, I don't know because I forgot to write down his name. Uh, he's been doing something uh, interesting lately, and I do like this idea, and I uh, wish I had a thought of it, and wonder how I would go about it as well. Uh, so I bring it back. Uh, he's looking at uh, older D&D ad adventures. So uh, two in particular he's done so far are uh, 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 Tomb of Horrors, uh, and uh, Death House, which is a, uh, a sort of a, a mini dungeon. Yeah, you could kind of say that from uh, Curse of Strahd. So he's, he's taking these, uh, running them, uh, and then sort of seeing how they go, seeing how the adventure works for him and his uh, players, and then uh, coming back and saying what he would change in order to sort of update them, uh, make them a little more fun, make them... Uh, a little less, particularly in the Tomb of Horrors, a little less ridiculously hard. Uh, I, I think with Tomb of Horrors, he played like the original version, even like the, the uh, was it Advanced Dungeons and Dragons? Like that one came out a long time ago. It's been updated since. Um, so uh, it was, it's cool to see how his uh, sort of mind works around that. And uh, it's funny because I hear what he says and it makes me think what i would do so uh i think even if you hear what he says and how he would change them and disagree with some of the things that he says uh you're then going to have all these flowing ideas of oh okay well i don't like the original what he says makes sense but i think what i would do is this and it's sort of a free flowing uh ideas that are, are really pouring forth from this uh, f from this plan of revisiting old adventures, and uh, I very much like it, so I bring it back and mention it. <sighs> Last but not least, most, definitely not least, is Scorch Fountain episode 15. Uh, okay, so I, I brought this back not too, too long ago, but I just could not resist with this episode uh, because it was probably my favorite one so far. Um, so this guy plays this game called Dwarf Fortress, which is a, if you've ever seen it, it's hard to explain. And it's a very sort of minimalistic uh, graphics um, down to the fact that like some of the quote unquote graphics are just literal characters. Like, like a goblin will be a letter G on the screen, for example. Uh, I forget what they call it. Uh, Axie? Uh, I can't remember. Anyways, and he plays through that game and then turns that into a story uh, through just sheer imagination and also uh, uh, using a sort of looks like hand-drawn pictures and uh, really beautiful uh, to behold uh, just in general. But uh, this episode in particular really just sort of blew me away because... Uh, what he's decided to do is combine two modes into one that are telling the same story. So what I mean by that is 
I guess you would say sort of the main game of Dwarf Fortress is uh, you are a fortress of dwarves and you're trying to, you know, make your way in the world, uh, grow your fortress, uh, defend it from, uh, you know, an onslaught, go out and, uh, d and defeat your enemies. But there's another mode where you are sort of a singular dwarf or a singular human uh, who's in this world sort of traveling around, and they call that adventure mode. Uh, so what he's decided to do is take a little break or maybe sort of go back and forth in between these two modes uh, as if they exist in the same world, which I think you can actually have that be the case. Uh, and that's one of the cool things of this game, which I, I can't wait for it to come out on Steam. Um, uh, is that it's all sort of uh, randomly generated worlds. And when I say worlds, I just mean giant, fully fleshed out uh, worlds where the amount of detail within is just staggering. Um, it, truly, truly incredible. And I think that sort of goes hand in hand with the very simplified graphics. They're, they're not rendering a huge world. It's, it's mostly text descriptions and, uh, and tables and things of that nature. But, uh, can't wait to get my hands on it. Like I, I, I will say, you know what? I, I didn't mention this yet. Maybe I should have saved that for a game. Gavin, I did try uh, and, and downloaded uh, the original version, the, the same version, basically, that this guy is playing. And it's a very, very complicated. <laughs> it's, a, it's a system that's not meant for uh, someone to just jump in and play. <laughs> Let's just say that. It's, it's very complicated, and uh, I'm sure with time I could get my head wrapped around it, but uh, I decided instead to wait for the uh, Steam version, which... It's on the Steam store right now. It, uh, you just can't pre-order it. So, and it doesn't give you a date. <laughs> In fact, it's kind of funny. And I'm surprised they let them do this. Uh, like for games that are going to be released on Steam, quite often it will have the release date. Um, but he his just says release date colon time is relative. <laughs> so I guess we don't really know necessarily when it's going to be out. Regardless, I will buy it when it does come out. Oh, yes. I will. Um, okay, so I love this episode so much in the sort of uh, uh, setting it up to combine these two modes and the story that has happened so far that uh, I, I, I literally went in and downloaded, allegedly, uh, every single episode so far just because uh, I, I want these four years to come. I want to revisit these, uh, save the channel, something happens. I want these, you know on my PC so I can watch them, which I, you know, I, I do that with a few things like, uh, like certain D and uh, D related podcasts. I'll do that or, or things where I usually story related things where I know I'm going to want to revisit them at some point in my life. And scorch fountain definitely falls into that category. Oh wait, what's this weird button? Yes, a cleanup conversation sponsored by Ireland. Thank you for that sponsorship. Yeah, uh, so uh, very rare. In fact, I'm not sure if I've ever done this before. Uh, throwing a cleanup conversation in, but not putting it in the show notes. Oh, it's like a secret surprise for you, the listener. Again, not pluralized. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, 
uh, I just wanted to talk briefly about uh, two sort of behind-the-scenes things, as I do from time to time. Uh, one is I decided to remove uh, stats from the podcast website. Um, so, so normally you can go and see, uh, how many downloads total, which I, I wish I could just leave that part. Cause that's part is kind of cool. I'm like nearing the, the 70,000 mark, which is uh, kind of cool. Uh, I, I mean, some people get that per episode and I'm 540 in and <laughs> not quite there yet, but still kind of, kind of a cool number. Uh, the second one is individual downloads per episode stats. Now, uh, the, the, like probably averaging you know per episode lately like 10 <laughs> like it's not a, a lot by by any means and that didn't necessarily bug me but going in and seeing it like knowing it and seeing it when i had to go to the website to you know look up stuff or add new episodes uh two different things so i decided it doesn't benefit me and i don't really care because uh, as I said a million times, and in fact, probably in the top of this episode, I do this more for myself than anyone listening. So, uh, I decided to remove that. Secondly is, uh, I'll, I'll periodically go in and check, uh, the, the, the more detailed stats, uh, and, and notice that lately, uh, a lot of my, uh, listeners such as there are, uh, <laughs> seem to be from Ireland. So, uh, I thought that was kind of cool. And I wanted to, uh, give a shout out to that fact now uh most still from the u.s because i think podcasting in the u.s is still bigger than any other country if i had to guess bigger per capita even mm, I'd, I'd maybe even ha hazard that guess that even uh, uh, bigger per capita yeah anyways uh, that's just a thought uh but uh for some reason uh, people in ireland uh, seemingly enjoy this podcast uh, and uh, i like that very much so i mention it and give a shout out and uh, that's about it for the cleanup conversation other than to say how are you doing how are you and also it's nice to be nice to the nice this is the end of the show a sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper